Fortitude Nutrition Coaching, also known as FNC, aims to educate their clients and provide them with the tools necessary to create sustainable change. FNC believe that proper nutrition can enhance all aspects of one's life, brain, body, health, movement, and soul. With so many conflicting ideologies and fads surrounding nutrition, FNC aim to simplify the fundamentals and build on individual foundations in a way that is suited to the individual. For more information, check out their website at fortitudenutritioncoaching.com.au. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to GKNF. We hope for this episode you've brought along your notepad or switched that mental notepad to absorb. AK, our guest, is a wealth of knowledge and this was an awesome chat, one that was definitely educational. So thanks again for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe. Unassuming, unarmed, but dangerously uneducated. With useful lessons for the not quite dead yet, GKNF are the voice of a generation who know what the fuck is up. Konnichiwa, interweb. Welcome to GKNF, episode 36, Futures All Ordinary and the NASDAQ. <laughs> and I like how you said Konnichiwa, followed by Futures, NASDAQ, because they all seem like a foreign language. <laughs> they, far, they are as foreign to me as, uh, as well, the financial area is as foreign to me as <laughs> Chinese, Japanese, and uh, Albanian. <laughs> well, They're all yeah. the other languages I got um, down pat. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's probably good that we've got our guest today uh, for this episode, our good friend, first of all, but... Also, financial advisor slash consultant, Anthony Curver. Welcome to GKNF. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Looking to shed some light on some of these financial questions. Please, because when we talk finance, I just feel really stupid again. I don't know. Is, is, that, is the system supposed to make you feel like that? <laughs> now, I, I listened to your podcast with Ruth Chalmers the other day, and I think you posed the same question around how law is, is posed. and. I think financial systems are exactly the same, where they're, they're made to confuse people. And it's mm-hmm. not written for the layman at all, no. or meant to be understood for the layman, is it? Mm-hmm. I think the, the person that probably describes it best is like a, a Warren Buffett, where he actually challenged hedge funds. So, you know, a hedge fund is someone that fund of funds, so they're always looking to outperform the market. They go into weird things that we've probably never even heard of. Mm-hmm. And he challenged them. They said, you can pick five hedge funds. You can pick any five you want in the market. I bet you a million dollars that after 10 years, that the just the normal S&P 500, so the top 500 shares in America, mm-hmm. will outperform your five best funds. And the bet just ended literally, I think it was about two weeks ago. And the S&P 500 over that 10 years did 7.7% annualized return, so about 77% over 10 years. Best performing fund did 22 annualized. 
So, so did he? Was that a, some stupid, stupid rich person's bet where it was like a billion dollars exactly. or something? Yeah, yeah. So it was a, a million dollars each. And and what it actually because rather than just bet that, obviously because they're squillionaires, they actually invested that and it's donated to charity. So it came oh, out about good. two and a half million dollars instead of a million. But so the hedge fund performed better than no, worse. a lot worse, a lot, a lot worse. worse. Yeah, a, a whole lot worse. See, so it was about less than half of. And they, you know, in terms of fees, their fees are probably four to five times what it would be just to put your money in that market and just leave it there. So wow. what's, a, what's, a hedge, what's a hedge fund guide do? Like what, what's and, and for people listening, let's kind of, because we're going to have to translate from Anthony to everyone yeah. else listening. So because like the hedge fund, is it like uh, something that someone, is it something that you, that like a family trust or is it? No, so a hedge fund is... I guess in its simplest form is these guys take your money. So you can invest with them. You usually have to be pretty high net worth to get in there initially, but they will use things like derivatives. So it might be rather than buying an actual company, you buy a right to buy that company or you, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get exposure to that company rather than just buying a share in it. So obviously potential for returns are quite high, but if you lose, you lose big on them. Whereas the other side of the bet that Warren Buffett took is literally, so they're called an exchange traded fund, which, you know, you can buy them through the market in Australia. And that's literally just the full market. So, you know, like the ASX 200 that you see on the TV at nighttime, you can literally just buy that in one trade. You get exposure to those 200 shares. Okay, yeah. And, and just to clarify, ASX is the Australian Stock Exchange. Correct. And that's the 200 top performing top. companies in Australia. Not no, like largest 200. Yeah. Largest. Yeah. Okay. Publicly listed companies. Correct, yeah. Yeah. So, and that, so the hedge fund guys, if they say you invest in a hedge fund, they buy enough shares in a company, do they then have, they will sit on boards and stuff as been board of directors Potentially, of these companies yeah, and stuff yeah. if they buy enough? Correct, yeah. yeah. Some of my favorite uh, hedge fund guys... Uh, we, I collect them like uh, football cards. Oh, perfect. Uh, and the, is the guy that uh, shorted Herbalife. Yeah. Oh, what's his name? And he also, but he was also in um, Valk, oh, what that medical... Uh, yeah, Valiant. Valiant. Yeah, he um, also was a major player in Valiant. Uh, what's his I name? He's a silver fox, a really good looking guy. Yeah. And all the guys in Wall Street seem to be, you know, with their nice suits and stuff like that. He's my favourite uh, of the hedge fund because of yeah. his exposures. Mate, he just... And he is one of those people that backs himself so hard that no one sort of questions him. So you probably... Is that Bill Ackman? Bill That's Ackman, right. yeah. yeah. Ackman, yeah. Yep. So he backs himself that hard that a call that he makes, everyone else will sort of follow follow suit, like particularly with that um, Valiant. And yes. even he made some calls in the lead up to the GFC where people went, with Bill Ackerman saying it, then it has to be true. So we'll just load up on that when it was the completely wrong side of the bet. And uh, Bill Ackerman, he can, uh, you can like, watch him. He's got those two documentary ones called Dirty Money. And it's like one of the episodes on that that is the Valiant one. And then there's one called, um, I think we might have talked about it on the podcast before, but it's, uh, I think it's called Betting on Zero. And yeah. he's shorting the stock of uh, Herbalife. It's, you can watch them both on Netflix. They're pretty, it's, they're very interesting for something I know little about mm. yeah. like the, the in, internals and the workings of it. Well, even that shorting, like I, I watched the Valiant one and they're talking to that, um, to the lady that's in New York or whatever. And she's talking Can I just about jump in the concept of shorting. Is that where you're betting on the company to fail? Is Correct. That- yeah. Yeah. So you're basically, 
betting that the company will will go down lose lose value oh right yeah so it's it's you know they take exposures like that in hedge funds mm-hmm. um and yeah that you can make a lot of money in doing that which the lady in valiant mm. clearly has because she's but she's even holding on I to know, it and yeah. busts even further that yeah. chick like till it goes to zero zero yeah like i think it's what at some stage like to like get an idea the valiant shares were trading at like thousands of thousands of dollars and now i think they're at like 76 cents or something they're back up at 17 dollars now yeah yeah so So they went well and then Mm. bounced yeah so and i I feel like i'm anchoring you guys you're going to go off into the ether (laughs) so talking about these scientific financial bloody terms but can we let's let's have an example of explaining how stock works right so let's call it company the company's called gknf yep it's now we want to publicly um have this publicly list this company which means that the company will be available on the stock market which means that anyone in the public can purchase part of the company correct yep now how does value of that company rise and fall what gives it value so the interesting question so most people or most companies will go to a market to raise capital so you either raise capital by issuing shares or you can do it through debt so typically issuing like capital in a in a business can be cheaper and you know easier for a company to do because there's not a repayment of a debt sitting at the end of it Mm -hmm. and repayments going through as well um Cap, sorry, capital. Is that just making more money? No, so capital is like, you know, your your business capital. So if you have a, you know... Worth value? Yeah, so like money, basically. You know, if if you buy a house, Mm -hmm. say the house is worth a million dollars, and you're going to borrow seven hundred thousand. You you would put in three hundred thousand dollars of your own capital. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, but essentially, yeah. Once it's once it's listed, anyone can purchase that company, mm-hmm. and typically, and this is where you know the argument about Bitcoin comes in as well. So, the company will have a value based on. Typically, there's a few different ways that they value a company, but one way can be you know future cash flows. So they go, okay, well, BHP, for instance, a lot of their stuff is actually in the ground. Mm-hmm. Unsure what the price is going to be, but you can sort of predict that out. And that's how you actually get the, the so price deviations about. For, so you forecast BHP, for example, they're going to do 200,000 more barrels of oil in this sort of this financial year yeah, or something. Yeah. So then they're going to be valued at this. Yeah. yeah. And, and some of them, like most companies will have a value that's yeah, either linked to their estimated future cash flows or their actual asset base so you know mm-hmm. if they've got like bhp for instance all the stuff in the ground that has a value on it so mm-hmm. you can go okay they've got fifty thousand shares on issue yeah that are worth two dollars each so values the company at a hundred thousand dollars but hey we know that they've got two hundred thousand dollars worth of assets in the ground that they're going to extract mm-hmm. over this time so you might be happy to come in and pay two dollars 25 for a share and then that's how yeah it goes up so there, there needs to be like a, a buyer and a seller obviously yes and you can have those instances where a seller comes in and goes i'm happy to sell it at 225 someone comes in and says well i want to buy it at 220 and then they might meet in the middle so that's how you get the the valuation or the differentiation in price so that's what's so a big part about obviously and this may seem very 
very basic, very rudimentary, Anthony, but your company, it needs to be very clear what your company does. So if it's BHP, we're going to ditch the GKNF example. Uh, BHP, it's it's got value in that it's tangible. There's um, supply of a precious metal that that company needs to um, mine and yeah. and sell. So things that things like um, if if they find or you know that they come across more metal in the ground, that news will affect the value of that company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and you see some of that stuff. I've you know sat in a few briefings from companies and and that kind of thing, and it, you know you hear about insider trading and that kind of thing. And I was in a I was in one once for one of the big mining companies, and basically it was a ceo in there the cfo and one of the mining executives for this company and they were about to release their results in about you know i think it was about 10 business days time or something like that and on this phone call they basically told the results without putting a specific number on it so you could tell if it was going to be good for the exactly company yeah or bad. so you, wow. you, so literally, you sell you dump your stock yeah. or buy some stock in this company and there was literally people as they were talking phones out bang placing orders to to buy this company is that is that illegal what just happened there but the way that they do it it, it kind of you know because they don't say numbers they'll talk about you know previous guidance that we provided we expect it to so hit that a, or exceed that or but this doesn't get you so know, it's that gray area it is. Of, of, of avoiding the uh, the law or what you act what's actually illegal yeah. Jeez. yeah and, and it seems so esoteric like only those people in that room are aware of that knowledge, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, yeah, that's um, holy shit. I mean, everyone fantasizes about getting that great sports <laughs> yeah. almanac. Yeah, that just delivered the hit on the yeah. table. Is and, that and the that's equivalent? it's like you know, it's not the exact equivalent of that because it's not numbers and figures around it. So you don't know what the share price is actually going to do. But if you've got that information that goes. They said their guidance was going to be a hundred million dollars profit. And we killed that, and yeah, and that, that's basically what they've said on the wow. during the meeting. You kind of go, well, I'll go out. I might not load up on it. Like mm. you might not sell your bloody house and put that on it, but you might come close. It's, yeah, it is. It's, it seems to be like a like a, an old boys club, nearly just the, the stock market and Wall Street and. And just in general, like you've got to know someone or know some information to actually make some good money. Oh, off it because, or is a lot of it just purely analytical? And you, you can you can somehow work out what's going to perform well without having that little bit of knowledge from someone within the industry of how something's going to track. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. It was like an old boys' club, and I'm gutted that I missed it. <laughs> yeah, I feel I, like a bit left out too. <laughs> yeah, well, mate, I had a guy that I used to work for. He used to be in the money markets previously. And some of the shit that he used to tell me, like one of the first, his first ever interview was at a pub. The guy left midway through, left him with three pints. And so he just went there, sat there, finished his pints, went back up to the place, walked into the office and the guy goes, you're hired. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I didn't even, we didn't even have an interview. And he goes, we had a spy in the pub that if you just sat there for like, you know, 20 minutes and then came back to the office and went, yeah, I drank the beers, but you didn't, they wouldn't hire you because you're not trustworthy. Oh, so the fact that he drank three beers. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's heaps better yeah. than the shitty tests I've done before when they said, <laughs> put these colours of red in order. Yeah. 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 You've been looking at blotches of black ink and yeah. you've been calling everything a penis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which that that'd be a great interview. You got to pints or a big drink too? Good enough, oh, just yeah. make minis or scooters. Yeah, it's a significant. <laughs> oh, it's a commitment. Yeah, it's a commitment. <laughs> so that's the old boys club sort of mentality oh, of mate, sort of for sure. Yeah, and he's got yards of stories. Like another one, he told me the first first Christmas party that he went to. I think he said he was about nineteen twenty. Sees this memo floating around the office. There's a bit of kerfuffle around it with the with the boy. So he walks over. He goes, "Give us a look," and it was a memo. And this would never fly these days with the Me Too movement. But it was a memo to like all the ladies in the office what they had to wear to the Christmas party. So this is your uh, this is a guy. That, yeah, this was like back in the seventies or whatever. Oh, that's very Wolf of Wall Street it, oh, sort of yeah. sort of style. Yeah. Like, uh, do you think that come? Oh, like you said, it wouldn't work now with that whole Me Too movement. No. And times have changed. But do you think it's also because of how much money's floating around in those sectors that you probably can get away with a bit more because, I don't know, is hush money there or it's just like you're very powerful? I don't even necessarily think it's hush money. Like you mentioned Wolf of Wall Street earlier and you just think about there's that scene where they're having the massive party and he goes to that to that lady, I'll give you 10 grand to shave, shave your head. head yeah. Like. Yeah, and that's, that's the money yeah. that they've got, though. Like just a yeah. throw around at the betting and throwing midgets in, like yeah. and lawn bowls. With like, there's yeah. a lot of shit it's, happening. It's pretty crazy, and it and it is such a privileged position. For, yeah, for someone like well, that to be in, because it almost feels like, as you as you mentioned there, there is a law. But they have a language and a way to operate to navigate around that. So it's almost like there's a way to navigate to stay safe, and there's a way to navigate to keep earning lots of cash. Yeah. And it, and it's just in that, particularly when you get into areas like that where it's on trading floors and stuff, it's a completely different language that they actually speak as well. Is that like the the trade when you talk about trading floors? Is that like the what they call the, the pit? pit? Yeah, and yeah. that's that's trading person to person rather than computers. Is that right? So you yeah. might be throwing like a sign out or something, and you're buying shares in real time it's sort of like an honesty system with people across the bit like that even that's become a little bit more integrated now Mm. because you you see them all they've all got like an ipad Uh, kind of thing in front of them where they're where it used to be like uh, cards and at the end you'd see like a shot of uh the exchange and there was just cards all over the floor in the pit have you seen those far you know people yelling like prices and back and forward yeah like they're buying coffee and selling coffee and stuff like that or sugar one one bit might be doing sugar but that's that's so that's a pretty ancient now that way of trading because a lot of a lot, is it technology kind of automated a lot of that process yeah, yeah and it's come up and it's and like the technology that they have now is is ridiculous I read a book called um, it's called Flash Boys it's by Michael Lewis the same guy that did The Big Short and oh, yeah, Blindside yeah. and those kind of books but these one of the guys in this book was investing three hundred and twenty five million US to build a line from the exchange in New York, or New Jersey, sorry, to Boston to increase like the speed to, to decrease the speed by four milliseconds. To make that to make that, that trade first. That to make that mil- trade before anyone else. Yeah. I wow. think you were saying this to me far once. I'm, I remember we're going out for a beer and we're catching a train into the city and you were saying the servers closer to the exchange were worth a fortune because it was like a microsecond faster. Yeah, or so something to because make it's such competition. competition. Yeah. That, and and a lot of it isn't relying on so what you're saying there like those old the pit was people you know it, yeah it, it, you've got that human factor that can slow it down but now that these this code that is written to purchase stock as soon as as soon as x does this purchase that stock and Correct. yeah the, the code's running at lightning speed and if you are closer 
to you know whatever exchange you're dealing with yeah. like you will come out on top yeah basically it's like back in the old when they had the pit more formally it was they had runners so you basically mm-hmm. wanted african people back then probably because they were just, just quickest you say oh, bolt yeah Usain like bolt a Usain bolt would have been king back then but wow. now it's all basically yeah information down a line that and, and you're right when in that book it talks about some of the just the buildings and spaces people were renting you know like a floor in a building whether it was a residential or commercial building and they were paying millions of dollars and just putting servers in there because it was closer to the exchange it's crazy crazy. so in your position how do you advise people to get into this the market like what where do people like where does someone that's listening go where do I go? I'm mean, I'm pretending it's a listener, but how do I get into this market? Like, where do you start? How do you buy stocks? Like, is it? Do you advise on what stocks to buy? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So we do all of that, but I think the the main thing that that I've kind of learnt along the way, particularly sitting in a lot of those meetings and things like that, is as a mum and dad type investor, or you know, most of your listeners to the podcast, it's so hard to actually consistently time the market and and be there because you just don't have the knowledge that these guys have or as we're just talking about with those high frequency trading you just don't have the ability to do it like they do so rather than trying to go and buy individual stocks and time the market like that those exchange traded funds i spoke about earlier where you can literally buy a whole market Mm -hmm. um, in one trade that's cheap it has a small management fee on it but you can literally get exposure to any market you want and a lot of them are now listed on our market. So you can get exposure to our market, just the top 200 companies. You can just do the top 50. You can do the US market. There's ones that I was looking at. So there's a Bitcoin one as well where it's just all the exchanges on Bitcoin. There was one that I was looking at the other day that is really interesting. They're called ARK, so A-R-K, Um, exchange traded funds but one of the ones that they've got is an innovation based one and essentially they're looking at companies that disturb the market and getting into them early so some of them are unlisted companies but most of them are listed but it's like 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 new technologies things that are are going to come left field I mean so for example I'm trying to break it down so like um, precious metals was such a big factor of as the Australian um I guess what do you, what's the word I'm like our boom or what? our boom yeah. yeah but now like um the you know um, what do you call it renewable energies for example would that be considered an arc innovative kind of um the, the, so this is more like like their largest holding because he keeps doing it is Tesla yeah obviously no, like yeah. he just keeps coming up with more and more stuff Elon but, Musk yeah boy yeah yeah so thanks he, for following Elon yeah. <laughs> But they've done, like, you look at their returns and because they're targeting those areas where that's their whole job, those companies, is to go in and disturb a market and, you know, reap, reap returns on it. They're killing So they're it. buying in, what is it, the idea they buy in low before, obviously, it's listed. So you're in it at a, I guess you get in it down at the bottom and then hopefully it gets listed and goes yeah. like Elon Musk sort of shoots a rocket in the space with a car in it and somehow that makes uh lots of money and you've made money now yeah yeah exactly yeah and stock's easy and, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening everyone cue the end music <laughs> hey so can i we're about to go down this rabbit hole i'm really excited about it but I, just before we start getting into this i wanted to ask you know you talk about your your mum and dad investors you know yep. you've got the spectrum of investor 
but you also have the spectrum of risk, right? Yes, yeah. So can you kind of unpack that for people? Like there's, you know, there's safe, there's low risk investing, then there's scary investing. Like what's out there? What's available to invest in? Yeah, so you can basically, as you said, you, you, there's a whole gamut. Like you basically can can go from anything from your, your basic savings account all the way up to purchasing real gold and put it in your house if you want or hedge funds as we we're talking about earlier. And these days, because everything's online and from Australia, you can basically get exposure to any market in the world now. So it, it, it really depends on putting money in and you're willing to not necessarily lose it all, but if that goes backwards, how far backwards are you comfortable for that to go before you go, shit, this isn't for me, I'm getting out. And typically when you see a financial advisor, they'll do a questionnaire with you that will target some of those issues. You know, how long do you want to be invested for? What's your target return? Mm. How far are things, how far could a, your investment drop before you started to panic? All those kind mm. of things. So, but you know, for typical mum and dad investors, I'd say those exchange traded type funds. And if you just Google exchange traded fund, there's heaps of different companies to do it. Mm. There's massive ones like Vanguard and iShares. Um, mm. And yeah, they're, they're all really good because you can literally just put money in there. So you just give them, my, I'll give you my, I've got 10 grand, I want to invest it. You give it to this exchange traded, traded yeah. fund. And they invest for you. Correct. So yeah, cool. you, you essentially, you know, if, if you've got an E-Trade account or Comsec mm. or whatever, you just go on there and there's literally a, a code on the ASX. You can put that in, buy that, and you then have exposure to those top 500 shares without having to go buy every single one of those. I oh. yeah, sorry, go for oh, I was gonna, So there's the, I guess, uh, the abstract response of like how to invest, but let's get practical. Like if... How, how how easy for me? I, I mean, I've no, I haven't got an E Trade account or a Comsec account. Yeah. How would I go about getting one? That's uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> and here's some money. Can yeah. you make me rich? <laughs> yeah. Quick, get the notes, Jordy. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's so easy these days because everything's online. Like yeah. I, I literally, I have a. It's called Bell Direct. Not not sponsored or anything, but um, oh, shout out to Bell Direct. Yeah. <laughs> we are taking sponsorships for this podcast, so that's brilliant. Um, and use the uh, the code GKN yeah. for ten percent <laughs> off your next Bell Direct account. And that was just a joke. <laughs> Vague disclaimers. Um, yeah, so essentially, with my account, you, it takes you sort of five minutes to set it up. You've got to send in a, a driver's license and things like that. Um, so that they can confirm your identity, and then essentially after that, it's it's put money in and fill your boots, go nuts. Wow. Yeah. Is it, so, what was the account again called? Sorry. Bell. <laughs> you doing it live on air? I feel like that's what you're doing. <laughs> that's what people want to hear. Uh, Bell Direct. Bell Direct. Yeah, and the, you know, there's all there's plenty of other ones as well. It just depends on. So some of them now. Like I think the ANZ E-Trade one has exposure where you can buy international shares and stuff mm. like that. But that's great. There's some some practical for people. Go to Bell Direct and, and there's a way to access, a, um, what's it called again, the, the whole... The, just the market, baby. The market. Yeah. I tell you person. what yeah. interests me because this is the kind of guy I am. Is You know those really risky ones? Yeah. Like overnight trading, 24-hour trading, 10-second trades? Yeah. Okay. Is that a thing? Yeah, well, that, that's like that the high frequency trading. Their whole game was to. I was talking about it before, where 
you know, if, if someone's happy to sell a, a share at $2.25 yes. and someone wants to buy it at two twenty, what these high-frequency traders would do would come in in the middle. So they would hold the share for, you know, sometimes milliseconds and just basically all they were doing was, was crossing those two prices in the middle. So they'd buy it here and then obviously they're happy to make two cents because they do like it's 10 bit, million of these trades yeah, a day. Volume. So like, you know, in some of them they were making points of a cent but because they're just doing heaps of them yeah so they can work but there's so much risk involved with them mm, of course let's talk about risk what have been some nightmare stories that you've heard like in in your field like oh, a, a lot of what well people it's the same thing as gambling normally people don't just generally tell you about your losses they always tell you about their wins, wins. yeah um well, but none of them yeah, in particular, like we had, um, it was before my time, we took over a, a lot of customers where I used to work and they were invested in a fund that, you know, it, it was sold as something that it wasn't. It was called Basis Capital. It's everyone sort of within the financial realm knows about it, but it was sold as a, a fixed interest type fund. So not quite term deposits, but, you know, bonds yep. with a company. So you're lending money to companies. So and getting- bonds are your safe investment. Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this fund was sold as that, but then- it went belly up during the GFC as a, as a lot of funds did. And the reason that it did is because it wasn't actually investing in those bonds. It was investing in insurance and things against those bonds. So they were still receiving funds like that they were paying out as distributions. But then once, you know, the market in that area kind of dried up, they just had nothing. But basically, they sold something as was meant to be debt, but... So that's just nearly a nicer version of a Ponzi scheme. Like you sort of <laughs> well, this was like you're it, getting money. You're getting money, but not where you think you're getting the money from. And it was a very weird one because they took this one through a class action as well, and the class action only got partially upheld because they were like, "Oh, well, they did have like they were they investing, were investing but yeah, yeah, and that's basically Ponzi, what Ponzi it was, scheme, yeah. yeah." And it's just one of those weird things where that was probably the the worst I've seen because that was just blatantly. You know, this is what your investment is, but that's not what actually people got. What's uh, what's the is there like is there this uh, I guess uh, pedestal company out there that you know of that has people bought in at like a one cent or something, and it's now worth a million dollars a share? Is there anything like? I, I had a um an old client that. Essentially, he found out about this company. I'm, I'm not. I think it was actually just like literally. He was blind at a pub, and someone said, "I've heard about this. Have a crack." And he got in. I think it was about five cents a share or something. And he bought about two hundred thousand shares in it. So you know, cost him not too much. But at their peak, I think they got up to about twenty dollars or twenty twenty five bucks or something like that. Jeez. So he basically sold half of them up there. And then, you know, sold more on the way down. The company's worth zero now um, because they were a mining company that thought they had something. So that's why they listed to raise to raise funds to start exploring. So listed, got money, started exploring, went, shit, we've actually got a huge amount of iron ore here, like, you know, Fortescue, BHP yeah, yeah, yeah. type levels. Mm-hmm. Went, we have this. And so everyone went, and, that- and just shot it through the roof and then 
had a bit more of a look and went, ah, oh, no, we don't actually have it. That's what that movie, have you seen Gold, uh, Matthew McConaughey? No. So same sort of thing. He He's in like a, he's, he's a gold miner and he's mining for gold in um, th- like Thailand, somewhere in the like Golden Triangle, basically. Um, they find like what what's gold and they'd sprinkled some real gold into it. So when it got tested, it come back as this is the richest mine in history, basically gold mine in history. So people were trying to buy them. Their stock went bang. They were, they were instant billionaires. Yeah. And then, so then down the track, they found out there was no gold in this place at all. It was, uh, it was like whatever they call river gold or something, mm. which is basically shit gold, not yeah. real, not worth anything. But just that news that they thought they found gold, like blew this up, and then there was just a huge FBI investigation. It's a true story. Matthew McConaughey plays a great character. Is Kate Hudson in that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that's, not that's fool's gold. gold. <laughs> it's yeah. not a rom-com. Yeah. This is a true story. Because uh, um, that, that's the thing that's a, a bit of a concern for people if it, when investing, um, you know, sharks and suits. Yeah. Um, people who are looking looking out for numero uno yep. and are happy to lie. Like, there are people out there who will happily lie to your face and just to get that deal and just essentially fuck people. Yeah. Bernie Madoff characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was notorious for that. Yeah. Like, you talk of, like, ethics and, and, like, the people that you've worked with. Like, do you kind of get a read on people and think... Yeah, for sure. Like, you can... It's, it's kind of like, you know, how you get the same feeling with real estate agents. Like anyone that's kind of selling you something, you yeah. can kind of go, well, this guy just doesn't feel selling. quite right. And yep. the, one thing that I've noticed, you know, being around a lot of planners and stuff is the ones that push the hardest are probably the ones that you need to worry about. Whereas, you know, the ones that go, here's your options. Mm-hmm. You, you told me this is what you want to do. You want to go from here to here or you want to do this. Here's your options. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to take it. And, and typically... The simpler the strategy, the more trustworthy a person can be because it's harder yeah. to hide stuff. You know, if if you're if I come sit in front of you and I go, "Hey, Far, you know, you've got a hundred grand that you want to invest. Purchase these five shares or whatever, and this is why I think like that." That is a lot more. It's a lot harder to hide anything in there than if I come and I go, you know, invest fifty grand in here that you're going to borrow. 50 to get into so you're going to be exposed 100 grand to like yeah if the more complex the strategy i think that's where more and more things can go wrong your, your red flag should be up there and and what about if you are working with, with um you know an advisor or someone in that capacity and and your instincts kind of like you know starting to kick in where do you go for like a third party um i guess you know do you read? go to another financial advisor that's and compare, that's t- yeah what i've been told this off financial advisor a What's financial advisor B say, and then take it to financial advisor C. Yeah, and then just, and then they form a new financial yeah. company. And then right? if, you're not, if you're not sure, just like a school exam, just circle C. Yeah, <laughs> D all of the above. I'll do it all. Uh, all right, dude. Let's uh, let's rip into it, shall we? Let's talk about the latest wave in uh, in finance, uh, cryptocurrency. For our listeners, can you give us an I just unpack what it is. Yeah, so I, I guess in a nutshell, it, it, you can go, you know, you can go super deep into these things, but essentially cryptocurrency is an online-based currency. So rather than, you know, you have a physical $5 note in your pocket, this is a way to exchange funds without actually, you know, having to do it with physical cash online. So it was kind of born out of privacy-type 
reasons and it, it, it works off a thing called a blockchain which i'm sure a lot of people have probably heard about which is essentially a code a coded message that represents a, a, a value in a transaction yeah yeah so in the, in the way that it works is so current at the moment you know everything is centralized within our financial system so you have a, a bank if you if i want to pay geordie ten dollars i've got to go to online to my bank and then transfer it to his bank who then holds onto it for a little bit and then clears the transaction and puts it into his account make sure that i've got the ten dollars to give him whereas the the i guess bitcoin's whole premise is the fact that it's decentralized so that's a blockchain technology person to person correct yeah peer-to-peer um and essentially what it is is a ledger which is just a series of debits and credits so money coming and going um this just sits online so it, it sits on you know thousands of computers now around the world so it's more difficult to get hacked although it can happen um but it's harder to you know get in there like a bank and go in and steal people's information because if you get in there you don't know who geordie is because his wallet is just a series of numbers and letters essentially mm. Um, and then this ledger is constantly updated. So it's not like when I want to pay Geordie $5, I've got to, the bank has to clear it. It's instantaneous because you can see my wallet. It's in a live feed. So it just basically bounces to a few computers and then mm-hmm. land in. And would, then, would it be uh, right to say that cryptocurrency is less a currency and more a stock because of fluctuations that I've witnessed in Bitcoin itself or any other cryptos seem to be way more than what a currency should be fluctuating yeah so and the 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 difficult thing with bitcoin is it doesn't typically fit in either side because if you look at a currency you know you you can go buy it and it's exchangeable and and those kind of things whereas bitcoin you can do that it's in its very early days but it's it doesn't even have the same characteristics as a stock because there's no underlying intrinsic value to it. It's it's the blockchain blockchain sorry that sits behind it that's the perceived value. Yeah. But the value is in the technology itself. To in in a roundabout way, yeah. Whereas you know we we're talking about BHP before, they actually have a physical thing sitting in the ground that they can pull up. Or if you talk about like supply and demand, there's this much metal. You know, there's a, a, a low supply of metal, therefore the value of that metal goes up. Yeah, and, and that's like, and Bitcoin is a similar thing in that regard because there's a finite amount of Bitcoin. So there's only going to be 21 million Bitcoin. Actual whole um, Bitcoins. Bitcoin, yeah, yeah, so now they're like, you know, down to hundreds of a Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, so there's a finite amount of Bitcoin that, that, that are ever going to be mined. And that's the thing. They're not actually released. People actually mine them on their computer so the way that you mine them is by settling transactions essentially and, and breaking the codes yeah so when when gk um transfers money to me um th- through bitcoin um like the ledger of, of that the record of that transaction yep. is recorded by these mining computers it's basically all the computers within the network that, mm-hmm. that's why they're saying you know it's it's just completely decentralized so mm-hmm. it's it's there's not one central location where all the information is held it, it literally mm-hmm. sits on it could sit on the computer that you've got in front of you at the moment mm-hmm. and i had a i had a client actually and I've, now it's one of those things where you look back and you go if only but he actually mined bitcoins it was probably it was 
when I was with the previous company, so it must have been three or four years ago now, and he was actually selling mining computers for, you know, between 30 and 40 grand. But I think at the time that I saw him, I think he had about two and a half or 3,000 Bitcoin, like oh, complete so Bitcoin. Well, if you Jeez. look at that today, I think Bitcoin, I'll pull up. I'll tell you what exactly it's worth. I'll open my wallet. $13,000 a Bitcoin. So for that many... Yeah, wow. Yeah. It would have been loaded with and that it, many. It's down 40% today, the market. 40 today? 40 today. 40.3%, $13,352.92, down 40.3%. This week, today, it's up 6.1%. Yeah. Okay, so, so what you're saying, the how it's volatile, that's an example. That's an example. Yeah, it's, it's extremely volatile because I think it's so new and- like you know i've read a lot about it and watched a few documentaries and stuff on it and when they actually came to market with it there was the first time that kind of blew up was that julian assange when he was i think it was paypal said no you can't use paypal anymore to make donations to wikileaks and then they kind of went ah we can use bitcoin because it doesn't actually like you can't tell who's donating the money there's actually it's just numbers and letters basically and the guy that founded Bitcoin actually came out and said, please don't do this because you're going to make it explode too much and we're trying to control it so that we can actually make this right. useful. Yeah, because that, I think that's the hard, the hardest thing about it. You know, if you've got one Bitcoin that's worth 13 grand, how like it's hard to actually do anything with that. Like, you know, mm. you can keep breaking it down, but... How small can you break ex- a Bitcoin Yeah, exactly. Then there's, it's sort of like, from that, it's sort of like, stemmed like a million other cryptocurrencies like i was looking at this uh like this twitter feed just on cryptos yeah and guys were saying this is a stock to buy basically like stock this is a currency to buy this week which would be you know what whatever one but it seemed to be there was like nearly a new crypto every freaking week yeah like a commune you just created cryptocurrency right now a guy did that he's aussie guy have you heard of dog coin yes yeah yeah yeah. yeah. (laughs) he did that i think he's like a billionaire now or something literally he just set up a a blockchain which he wrote himself Mm -hmm. and then yeah essentially it got it listed called it dog Dog coin coin. and now he's like a billionaire there's a a lot of it you need a couple of things to make a, a, a currency right so you need to as you said the guy needs to write the code so it's code codes everything's code everything yeah and it's written in this um c plus plus coding language which is really popular for you know people can write code on their computer but oh just this is an article i was reading just wanted to bring it just to share with you um but people are getting the code for bitcoin for example and the only variable is the number of coins available for example yeah or people are writing um you know is it ripple ripple's the code that is um one that is it's you know with with the banking systems banking are looking at trying to use ripple as a way to um transfer funds as well yeah so ripple and that's why like i think it's it's funny that ripple is the price of ripple is so is very very closely aligned to bitcoin but ripple actually has some kind of functionality in what they're trying to do like they're trying to speed up process like processing of payments between banks and is they've got ripple a few different- another cryptocurrency is yes. that what it is okay. yes but it, it doesn't take the same form as as a bit it's more of a blockchain that is just there to speed up is that the thing the banks are using now? Because isn't it now if I'm trans, you know how I say I transferred money to F and I was Combank and he was 
ANZ, it'd take three yep. days, but now it's automatic, instant within banks. Is that? Yeah, I don't think they're. I don't think they're up to that point yet where they're using blockchain to actually mm, do the transfers. I think just because technology's got better yeah. and, and quicker, and they can actually because why it takes so long is they're trying to make sure that that money that, exists. That the money exists. It's in your account. Otherwise, yeah, you could just go. I'll transfer yeah. a million bucks to you. And you take it, and we'll we go, go to Vegas. To the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, Vegas is better. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so with this guys, is is it almost like? A, a good idea. If you had two hundred thousand dollars, okay, to invest in your, let's spend fifty thousand dollars of it to get the code um, and and write this uh, currency, right? You know, then we need to, I guess, take it to market. We need to get it in these online exchanges. But you put one hundred fifty grand into making it a part of, you know, the get it on the forums, get Social. people talking yeah, about yeah. it, <laughs> because really, it sounds like the people's perception of it is what the v- true value is. Yeah, and that's essentially what Bitcoin is. I was reading an article that um, Warren Buffett released the other day essentially saying that, like, you know, these things, the reason that their prices are going up so much is literally market hype. And that you, you can see that with companies. There was It was about three or four years ago, someone hacked the official White House Twitter or Facebook or whatever it was and basically put on there... Barack Obama's dead. Like, put it on there, and they time-stamped it, and you could see, I think the market dropped. It was almost 10% or something, literally within seconds of that yeah. announcement. It's so volatile for something yeah. like but that. To- it's definitely agile. Wow. Oh, and, and it's just because, like, information passes that quickly now from, you know, if something's released in America and you've got Twitter on your phone and you follow the White House, you'll see it here straight mm. away. Um, and, and that's part of the reason they've actually talked about. So in, in terms of the, the business cycle, which is, you know, peaks, troughs, mm-hmm. recovery, stability, they've actually said that because of the speed of information now, that cycle is actually contracting. So it used to be, you know, about 10 years from peak to trough to mm-hmm. peak again. Whereas I think now they're saying it's between sort of five and seven. And you can see that now with, you know, 2001, we had the tech wreck where, markets got hammered recovered again 2007 2008 you had the gfc and now they're coming up again and you know i think the next couple of years will probably be a little bit of wait and see kind of um, kind of thing banking on the dot coms again yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're coming full circle <laughs> yeah so everything's full circle yeah it's circular what's old is new again yes. um is bitcoin done no no, no. i think no I, I think in terms of you know people chasing it like they were recently like i had a, a guy at work that literally he put in 34 grand to a combination of litecoin which is just another mm. form of crypto bitcoin and ripple and the 34 went to just over 180 in the space of about seven days and then now i think it's back sitting around 75 grand or something but that's just how volatile it is i had the same story i was at um my daughter's gymnastics yesterday and chatting to one of the other dads and he had uh i was talking about you're coming on the podcast today uh and we're going to talk about cryptos probably yeah and uh he said the, this guy at work was building his house he was 10k short of what he needed to finish off with his builders and stuff he had five grand one of the other guys that works with him was is right into cryptos and stuff he said give me the five grand i'll invest it for you 
and I'll make it. He invested it five days later, had 28 greens <laughs> that he pulled out. So he paid yeah. his builders yeah. and then he left whatever his eight green, some, he left eight green or whatever in there. And that's dropped off to below, I think it was near, he said it was about three or four greens. So it's below where he started, but it was free money at the yeah. end of the day. Like in five days, he needed 10 grand. So he only had five, well, needed 15. He only had five to pay, so he needed an extra 10 grand. Gave it to this dude and he invested in five days. He had $28,000. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and you hear heaps of that in, in Bitcoin. I think the, the thing with Bitcoin is obviously knowing when to get out like because it's it's so hard to actually pin a value on it. Like You can't just go and look at financial statements for Bitcoin because mm. they don't exist. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, a BHP or something, you can go look at it and go, this is how much money they've got sitting in the bank. This is how much debt they have, which, you know, it, it's hard to actually then value a Bitcoin. But you, you hear heaps of stories. Another guy at work was the same. But when they set up their accounts, which is the reason that I didn't put any money in there, you had to take a photo of yourself with your yep. driver's license, yeah, yep. with a signed thing yeah. to say, you know, I understand the risk, blah, blah, blah. And so we said to one of the guys, you know, have you tried to take any money out? First time he took money out, it came from basically a, a company account. He took about a thousand bucks out next couple of days. It came from someone's personal bank account. And I went, well, that doesn't seem right. Mm. Like it was just those kind of things where you go, I'm investing through an exchange, but when I want to withdraw money, it comes from, you know, Geordie Killen's so bank is account. The risk, like, is the risk that that money mightn't come back to you? Yeah, it exactly. Doesn't really and, exist. and you've signed, there's a photo yeah. of you literally saying, I know the risk I know that I'm risk. taking. Yeah. Is that probably the next part of the innovation to kind of, because I know you can get um, uh, Bitcoin ATMs, for example. Yeah. Um, but it seems like that's definitely an area that's still in its um, infancy. There could be a bit yeah. more. Uh, and I think the the thing with Bitcoin is that I don't think they want to be a, a physical currency. Like I think they want mm-hmm. it to be online. Like if, if you look at some of the things that they're actually targeting or they wanted to do with it initially was when I've read about, you know, there's billions of people in the world that aren't like us. They don't have bank accounts and stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, they might have people working in the Philippines or whatever. And to go transfer money, it's essentially Western Union. So you go there, gets eaten up with fees. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, if you can transfer it into Bitcoin and go bang, transfer it into their wallet, they've got the full value of, of however much you've earned working and then take that out at a, a Bitcoin type ATM. As long as you can pay with it, I guess. You know, the, there's a lot more in, like in the city where you can pay with Bitcoin. But well, cafes yeah. and stuff are set yeah. up. And the dealt. best one is yeah. still the pizza. Well, the pizza. That's, I don't. Do you want to tell that story? Because that's, yeah, that's a great Bitcoin story. It was essentially the, the first ever Bitcoin transaction, like a purchase. For something tangible. Yeah, where a, a guy, um, I don't even know if it was like a Domino's or something. It was a pizza company, but... He was on Twitter or something. He put it up and he said 20 Bitcoin to someone for someone to deliver me a pizza. And this is when, you know, they were like cents on the dollar or a couple of dollars or whatever. And they took it up and apparently they've still got it and it's worth like millions now. Well, yeah, that, isn't it that same <laughs> transaction for two pizzas? It would have been the equivalent. Well, this is in December. I read it would have been the equivalent to buying two pizzas for $2.9 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, <laughs> do you remember that movie? Crazy. That's awesome pizza. It was pepper, yeah, of pepperoni yeah. and stuff. Do you remember that movie? Stuff King, crust. Kingpin with Woody Harrelson? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and, and they created, um, his name was Roy Munson, and they created a new word for when you do something shit, it's going, you've been Munson. <laughs> that guy was Munson? That guy was yeah, Munson. Munson. Yeah. I, I want to ask before, I've got two questions, right? The first one is, we always hear about the wins, this, the people who are making money. Is it one of those scenarios where for someone to make some money, someone needs to be losing money? Or is while people, while it's topical, while people are coming in and, and purchasing Bitcoin, it's okay for everyone to be making money while new investors or new buyers are coming in to the market? Yeah, or- it's, it's a little bit of yes and like a little bit of no sort of on that, yeah. um, on that front. Cause it, so if you look at GFC, for example, where, which is like, you know, massive financial crisis there's a lot of people that are saying that like how it happened in the 1930s and even the tech wreck essentially that was just a massive shift of wealth from poor people to richer people because they still got to keep all their houses and boats and all that stuff so it's it's not Mm. as simple as saying yes as a win like for someone to win someone has to lose because it can be as simple as you know you buy BHP at $70 and then it comes out that the iron ore price falls. So their share price drops to $35. Everyone that holds that share has lost money, whereas the $35 hasn't physically gone into someone's pocket. Mm -hmm. But again, it it could have because as we are talking about earlier with shorting, someone that shorted that stock is now has that cash so it's it's not as simple as yeah for every loser there's there's a winner on the other side it's way more complex than that yeah because it can just be you know a paper loss which Mm -hmm. yeah shorting stock unethical just talking about that is it unethical and on like it's legal the idea of it i think it's cool and a great idea but is it because for example i used bill ackerman before um mentioned him with the herbal life he basically went out and because he's so well respected and well known he went out on nearly like a public uh like he was slandering basically the company mm. he was the ones sort of he was physically out there trying to affect disc- his perception discredit yeah. the company affecting perception he was the one effectively he was the one driving this price down or or making this company uh, I, I guess uh, look terrible, so their short stock will go down, and he'd win. Yeah, yeah, and and that's I think where you step into those ethical territories where someone has such an influence like that. Like you, you know that lady in the Valiant one. I don't think she was kind of sending it to that guy yeah, in Australia at Bronte Capital and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think someone like him that has such an influence that can get on you know a CNN and go oh, the Herbalife. You know they're going to have all these problems. Yeah, it's blah, blah, a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I guess to to that extent, if you're going out publicly saying that, you need some uh, evidence of truth. Otherwise, you probably can get sued civilly and through the yeah. other courts. Which for, that, it's probably that not stuff. that hard to find stuff. You know, you, you probably don't need too much to. I like the idea of shorting stock. It seems to me easier than actually finding a winner. Yeah, like- I, I had a, a client that he, he used to short stocks and that, and he was flying from. Uh, Sydney to Paris, business class as you do. And so on the flight from here to Singapore, placed his trade before he left, betting that the stock was going to go down, got to Singapore, opened his phone and went, ah, shit, it's running. Like it was going up. And he thought, it's not going to turn from here. Went to call his brother. His brother didn't answer, sent his brother an email saying, can you close out that trade for me? Because it's going against me terribly. Jumped back on the train, uh, sorry, the plane went 
brother must have closed it out, landed in Paris, opened his phone, saw the price had absolutely tanked because there was some other news that came out in that time. You'd be hoping your brother Logged didn't into his account and his, and his brother didn't do it. It made him like 50 grand. He'd paid for his trip, his Paris trip on the flight over there. So they're <laughs> the things crazy. that can pay off, yeah. but, you know. It sounds like with finance, it sounds like a way... So almost um, like people are so susceptible to suggestion. Yeah, people will follow life. trends. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, people will follow trends or follow crowds, and it's almost a way of monetizing that. Yeah, like um, you know, you look at a, you watch a graph, you see something for, and people are like shit. You know, because panic sets in. Does panic, panic set in and let you? Oh, let's unload our stock before it gets any lower. Because and because people are unloading, it's dropping, dropping, dropping. Yeah, and you think of the pool of people who are involved in finance. There's only those small few at the top yep. who have the knowledge. And I guess once you have that knowledge, can give you confidence to say, "Now wait this out or jump." But everyone else will go shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that happened just you know within the, over the last two weeks. That's exactly what's happened. There's talk of you know kind of what caused it was talk that some of the larger economies like the u.s and even some of the ones through europe might be raising interest rates which generally means that you know they're seeing some growth or expecting some growth in the broader economy and everyone goes fuck sell and then every single person just goes oh that guy must be right so follows on board but then you got people you know like a, a warren buffett type person that his whole thing is when i buy something i want to hold it forever yeah so and if you having a strategy, that's almost. what it is. Yeah. So, and that's why some of those, you know, like those exchange traded funds are so good because you don't have to constantly be looking at companies and that you can literally turn on the TV at night and go, oh, ASX 200 was up a percent today. Oh, sweet. My investment and all was my investments that. are in ASX 200 yeah. companies. So I'm up. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And uh, it just takes some of that, you know, the actual decision-making process out of it and, and just go, okay, I'm just going to buy this thing and I'm going to hold it Yep. Do you have to forever. have money to make money in 100%, 100%, yeah. And what is a jumping-off point to get into? One, what's a jumping-off point? I guess you just buy a percentage of what you can afford to lose in crypto, but with, <laughs> with, with stock, where would, would you, if someone comes to you and goes, dude, I've got... Ten thousand dollars to invest is that good, or do you? If someone comes and says I've only got fifteen hundred bucks, you go, oh, it's not really worth worth what you're doing. No, it's it's always good for a start, and and you think about things like that. Whereas I can't tell you how much money I was pissed up against the wall and spent on holidays. Whereas during the GFC period, when I first started advising, every person I sat down with was like, you know, you got a thousand bucks, chuck it in. This is sort of low it's you know it could get worse but chances are it's going to get better whereas back then you know plumber with the leaky tap wasn't taking my own advice whereas if i took just some of that money and whacked it in it's as i said before over the last 10 years 77 percent up the just the u.s market so and and that's the thing and that's a market that for the u.s to remain stable it needs to grow based on our banking system yeah like it always needs to grow so is it a is it a lower risk to invest in a country's stock exchange? Yeah, it takes a lot of the risk out of it because rather than just going and buying one company, which, you know, you're so susceptible to any price movement in that company, if you buy the top 500, if Apple goes up 50% in one day, but Google goes down 20, 
you just get the average because you've just bought the market. Like that's that's why those ones are so easy because you can do it as you said with fifteen hundred bucks. Put it in there and just add. You know, when you have spare cash, just add it to it, and you don't have to be constantly going. Okay, do I need to move from here to here, here to here? You just buy it and forget about it, basically. Mm-hmm. What about the um, idea of people talking about diver- diversifying your portfolio? So. Sprinkling a little bit of money here, like getting, yeah. um, so for example, mixing a property and then having stock and, you know, what does what that, what does a healthy investment portfolio look like for, and I guess kind of considering our fam, our listeners would fans, be- Fans, is right. Fans, fans yeah. absolutely, followers, um, but I guess we'd say middle class majority, I don't think we're kind of broken into those- uh, uh, Warren Buffett and Elon Musk, apart from those two. Elon Musk, yeah. Well, I think think if you mention Warren Buffett more than once on a podcast, he just subscribes and listens. That's right. If if you get a big W up in the sky, he'll appear. I guess now we average that out, all our listeners are multi. So what would you suggest for multi-millionaires? No, just uh, I guess you're saying so for, the start Ma- to your Ma- <laughs> yeah. for the Mar and Par investors. Yeah, I guess. For, well, for the middle class, I can I consider myself middle class. What would what would uh, I guess a healthy um, portfolio look like? Yeah, so I guess you can kind of base a question like that how people's supers typically look, and and they used to be essentially no matter what your age if you didn't specify an investment that you wanted to be in, you got seventy percent exposure to growth assets, which is like your shares international and australian and property and then 30 percent exposure to like cash and fixed interest like Mm -hmm. term deposits and things like that whereas now they've actually changed that to be more of an age-based approach but i guess by and large if if you're spreading it over over, like looking at an average across a large group that's probably where people would go is probably like 70 percent towards your growth style assets and 30 percent and obviously uh, well, how shouldn't? Oh, this is sounds silly. Shouldn't all investments be growth assets, growth style? Well, you need that protection from falls as well, and like you know, you don't want to be fully invested in one hundred percent Australian shares, and then that market, yeah, 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 tanks, yeah, yeah. and you got nothing. But what you'll typically see with people is when they're holding their cash, like you know, most of the listeners in the podcast probably have a mortgage, like us, and they'll their cash holdings are actually in an offset account or something like that. So if you factor that in, it's still money that's working for you. And then, you know, you've got your other other investments outside of that. So it's not, if you're looking at it overall, you probably average out for most people at that 70% towards growth assets. But again, it really comes down to personal preference and what you're comfortable mm-hmm. to lose, essentially. Again, I like really high risk stuff. That is going to pay off, though. So, what does an outliers portfolio look yeah, like? like? You need to guys. look at some of those Arc ones. You'd love them. I like. I I, uh, I went onto Acorns. Have you had Acorns? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I invested in that for some stock, and it give you gives you example. How do you want to invest your stock? Like basically high risk, low risk, whatever. <laughs> There's a there was this one called extremely fucking high risk that <laughs> so you're never gonna get a fucking Is skull, on skull and bones icon as well. <laughs> ever ever may as well go burn your money. I chose that one. Yeah. Was, Is that what you invest with like uh, gangsters and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> it was just called your fuck the investment <laughs> option. And I uh, didn't turn out any money. Yeah. <laughs> But I really, I thought if anything was going to make me a millionaire overnight, which I'm sure most of the world wants to be, yeah. 
That was going to be it. So, really, the highest risk is just walking into a TAB, really. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> right. But for you. that's definitely the highest risk for you. <laughs> hey, well, as you said, historically, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm coming through a, a stabilizing phase. We, well, I had my financial crisis the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Did you Now you're on the up. Yeah. You're in the 10 year. Yeah, up. invest with me, people. But now, speaking of investing, with, how, how can people find find you? To um, I'm sure. I mean, what a great little sales pitch. I mean, you're just so knowledgeable, dude. Like, how could someone find you to uh, invest with you? Yeah, I, I guess as yeah, as I said, I'm sort of more on the financial consultant side of things now, so not dealing too many, too much with mums and dads. But obviously, you can get in touch through the podcast. I still know a lot of advisors, sort of. Hmm. Penrith area down my way in the city so yeah if, if anyone's really interested get in touch with the podcast and I can certainly pass on names depending on where people are well dude I've, I, I I don't know if I'm any more I can read Kenji or speak Japanese any better but I know a little bit more about currency and <laughs> yeah. stock a little bit a little not bit. heaps but enough dude thanks for coming in that's uh, it's awesome quick one though subscribe to GKNF we got new artwork. Have a look at that. Tell Far how cool it looks. Yes, yeah. he did it. Um, <laughs> and uh, we don't support gun violence, um, as the <laughs> image would suggest with GK. But it's a cool-ass <laughs> yeah. picture. It makes me look badass. <laughs> Twitter, at GKNF. Facebook, GKNF. Yep. Um, All GKNF people, we ditched the ampersand. We, we took your feedback. Yeah. And we <laughs> we got, took out the crypto... Uh, yeah. We also got rid of working <laughs> title, because... That was too confusing. The working title is now GKNF yeah. was what it turned out to That's be. That's now so just the title. The title. Um, so, yeah, subscribe. Tell your friends. Share the episodes. Um, do all that. It helps because it lets us um, record more. So, it's pretty cool. Far. Anthony, thank you. got a passing you. word for Anthony. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your knowledge. We've got to get you back on again. That yeah, was yeah, like I've got like my whole list of questions. But <laughs> give, give me give me one. Give me a final one then. Well, that. I, I want to give you. Okay, final question. I, I wanted to. I was reading this article. Um, sorry, to listeners, we're getting back in there. But we're about to wrap it up. But yeah, there was an article about uh, NAB and yep. NAB are going through a retrenchment phase where um, 6,000 people will be removed, but they will be hiring 2,000 new people to cater for um, automation yep. within the workplace. Um, and I was thinking, you know, and for a company, a, a business like banking, like NAB, made, but they made, um, I think it was like $5 billion, yeah. um annual profits. It's just, um, I, I thought, you know, while people are, are kind of veering towards, I mean, you can hear about that, especially someone who got burned from the GFC, um, hear about that. You can be a bit, uh, I guess, disenfranchised with, you know, traditional banks and you might be searching for, um, you know, a cryptocurrency or, or going that, that route. How could people... If you are, you know, you have, you know, you meet the, as we said, the meet the gamut of people who are kind of anti-establishment. Yeah. How could someone get into cryptocurrency? What's the process? What's the practical approach to that? Yeah. So at, at the moment, it's probably not super practical, to be honest, just because it's not a regulated currency or it's not a regulated, I guess, listed investment at the moment. So. It's even, you know, for the guys that I know at work, a lot of them have done it. It's, as I was saying before, you've got to take a picture of yourself signing to say you accept the, accept the risks. And then you've also got some of the banks 
won't allow you to have bank accounts attached to crypto yeah, to, to crypto wallets still. So you, you've got to go through that process of really starting up. And then I think some of the exchanges in Australia still limit how much you can actually transfer in initially and that kind of thing. So it's it's in terms of moving to a cryptocurrency for your day-to-day banking it's 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 not there yet it's mm-hmm. probably still got a little way to go and i think things like ripple and that kind of thing will help it get there quicker because you know they're going to banks and financial institutions and going this is what people want and they're sick of all the fees and shit that you charge and time taken to do everything they want this and if things like that get up with ripple in terms of having a function there for banks to be able to use it but you look at like i know most of the big four banks here are, are looking into developing their own blockchain so mm. there's steps going towards that way so that people could go no i don't but even then you know you, you're never going to get away from those big four banks because they've got all the resources to go okay crypto is the way people are going we'll have a full crypto division over here if that's how yeah. you want to work and then as soon as the banks take over it all the privacy stuff goes out the window you're not going to have a wallet there anymore that's numbers and letters you'll have changes not a far bank account yeah so and it's kind of so i think in terms of you know going to cba or nab and going no i don't want to do this anymore give me all my money it's going to be in crypto I don't think we're there yet from a, a practical point of view and as a side note you probably want the banks to be turning over those massive profits because a lot of your super and stuff's tied into yeah. the big banks and so for the banks the, i guess 60 70 percent of the banks are owned by shareholders and a lot of your super's probably tied into that so yeah when you see a bank making good profit that's probably good for all of australia to be in yeah it's honesty. not just the, it's not just it's the not ads the that say that it's actually yeah. A, yeah true fact yeah all right so for so go re- people listening go research an e-trade account or comsec account yeah um take heed with regards to cryptocurrency do your research by yeah. the sounds of it um, but yeah, dude. I'd also you. say just a really good read for people is Warren Buffett does like an annual letter to shareholders. Get on and have a read through that. There's really good stuff in there. And thank you, Warren Buffett, for He's becoming on. a new <laughs> yeah. listener, our 1,000 subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. Thank you.